Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Grief Out Loud podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Jana DeCristofero and wanted to give you just a little heads up as you listen to this episode, you'll be hearing references to our old name, which was Dear Dougie. So just so you don't get too confused, you're listening to the right podcast and we look forward to bringing you even more great content under the Grief Out Loud name. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dear Dougie podcast, produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Jana DeCristofero, and thank you for tuning in today. This podcast is meant to open up the often avoided conversation about grief. While we all experience loss during our lives, when it occurs, most of us don't know what to do, how to feel, or how to talk about it. This is our way of sharing what we've learned from grieving children, teens, adults, and young adults in our support groups about what they find to be helpful and also not so helpful after a death. So whether you're grieving a loss or wanting to support someone who is, we're here to explore and talk about what matters to you. So in looking back over our catalog of episodes, we realized that every single guest so far identifies as female. And while each person's story and perspective is unique, we also want to ensure that we are hearing from a more diverse group of people who are grieving a death. So with that in mind, I'm super grateful today for our guest, Mike. Welcome, Mike. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Mike's a current participant in our group for young adults. And he came to the Dougie Center just over a year and a half ago Mm -hmm. after his dad died. So, Mike, I remember a couple groups ago, might have even been last group, you mentioned feeling really at a loss for words and almost frustrated when people come up to you and say, tell me about your dad. What kind of guy was he? And at the risk of sparking your ire right now, how would you describe him and who he was in your life? Yeah, the, the frustration is never just out of the question. I know it's a good it's a good-hearted question. It's coming from a good place, and they just want to know more about him. The, the difficulty, the frustration comes in trying to categorize the person that you lost and not diving into every, every nitpicky personality trait of why they're special to you. And so that becomes difficult for me because then it just is a superficial uh, explanation of who he is. But to me, my dad was a, a, an amazing father, a, a community leader. He uh, always, always was sticking up for those who couldn't defend themselves. He was a handyman around the house. He was active participant in all things in life, uh, my academics, my sports, career, and everything else. And so all of that just bleeds together into what what everybody now tells me as I am my father, and so I am the reflection of, of him, uh, possibly even more so now that he's passed. I've possibly taken on even more traits of his. What's a trait that you think you've taken on since he's died? I was 31 when he died. He was 31 when his mom died. And I think that traits that he gained after his age of 31 that I recognize as, as, oh, that's just my dad, likely came from his Mm -hmm. grief. And so one thing would would probably definitely be more of how to participate in your family, in your community, that things are beyond you, that other people likely have things going on that you don't know about. And so not necessarily less judgment, though, yes, less judgment, but really also the extra step of then trying to help in some way. Mm, So going from maybe judgment to compassion and understanding to actually taking action to yeah. make a difference in the world. Taking just that, that extra second to see if he could help and, and if he could, then how. And then usually doing that, which got him into a lot of uh, community service projects, which 
then influenced me to be very active in philanthropy and, and other endeavors. Mm. So carrying on that legacy. From yeah, you. very much so. Your dad died pretty suddenly, unexpectedly. He did. He, he was in a, it was a risky surgery, um, back surgery. And when he was little, he had a, a Wilms tumor on his kidney, which is, is back in 1956, should have killed him. Um, and he got incredibly lucky. But all the scar tissue damage from trying to treat him ended up being very difficult on his body later on in life. And so he was looking for, for surgery to correct his spine, get rid of scar tissue, realign arteries and veins and all this stuff. It was, it was a pretty major surgery, and we knew it was risky. Um, but we, we figured that the worst that could happen is that he would be paralyzed, and that was something that we all accepted, is that my dad might go around in a wheelchair for the rest of his life, but at least he wouldn't have the immense amount of uh, physical pain that he was experiencing. But things didn't go well. He essentially died three weeks after after the initial day. And so that was quite sudden. Very difficult to get a phone call saying, come home and come home now. Tomorrow, we don't know if he's gonna make it. Did you get back before he died? Yes, yes, all, all three of the, the kids were able to come back. It was three weeks in between kind of when we were told to come back and when he passed. And so we even had that last 24 hours where we knew we had to pull the plug make a family decision, talk about it. And we got to say our last words to him and all that. And even though his body was gone, we think that we were pretty confident the way that he was reacting with his eyes and, and that he could hear us, which was comforting in and of itself. And so after your dad died, you're in this state of three weeks, right? Of not really knowing what's going to happen, mm -hmm. but sort of knowing what's going to happen. What do you remember about that transition from being in, in that place of wondering to he has actually died. Uh, I think my whole family, each of us reacted differently, but a common theme was how to hold up and support my mom. Immediately, it's the, the business aspect of death, of trying to get death certificates and insurance and all paperwork and passwords. I mean, today, electronics is so important, and you know everybody has passwords to so many different accounts, whether it's your bank account or frequent flyer miles or you know, the Netflix account and things like that to, to help get her situated. So a lot of it was focusing on that. A lot was just reaching out to his extensive network of friends and all of our friends, trying to put, put a memorial together. It's all the business you know. and the, like, the yeah. logistics of what you do right after. Yeah, and then, you know, there were, there were definitely family moments each night when we would raise a glass of wine or, or maybe three uh, to him and, and to talk through it a little. And I think what we found helpful was to share a couple stories about him before all of us, you know, just really couldn't anymore. Couldn't anymore because it would get too difficult? That night, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, we'd usually share one or two stories and, and then it would get, like, over, not overly emotional in, in that, that that's a bad thing, more like you were just exhausted and we're couldn't at max. talk about it anymore, mm -hmm. right? And then we all had to kind of go our own ways and then just fly back and forth, continue helping out over, over the course of this last year and a half. When do you think your grief became, if it ever has become, front and center for you? Sure. So it probably hit me a month or two after he died because that first month was, was very... It was focused on the family, a lot of people reaching out. That was an easy way to be distracted and yet still process a little bit. But then when all of that was gone and I was left with myself, 
that's when that's when it all started to hit me. I don't have my dad anymore. A lot of that came with you mentioned I, I work with my father, um, or I worked with my father uh, on a project, and so all of a sudden he wasn't there day to day on that project team, but I was still working with that team. And though they lost their colleague and and a friend, you know they had to go on with business, and I had to transition into strange mentality of okay, this is work, and now this is work that he would have been doing but now it's a different team and they have moved on, but I haven't, but I still have to be professional. So it's, I can't hold a grudge that they have moved on and I haven't, so. Because you almost had two different identities with your dad in very, a sense, yes. right? Because you were father and son and then you were work colleagues yeah, in the same yeah. company. And then I was his, his consultant essentially, but, but with together on one project. And then I was handling all of, again, kind of that business side, the project, but then for my mom also handling how that company was going to deal with his death benefits and everything. So that became a very odd middleman place to be where I have to talk to the company about my dad while also talking to the company about their employee having to parse those words and be very specific and use the employee instead of my dad and and that was that was difficult. So I can imagine writing the email and then like yelling in your head what you really yeah. want to be saying. It seems like there's a lot of things that could pull you out of your own emotional experience. Yeah. Out of necessity. Yeah, and I was hypersensitive to that. I would want to yell, get this stuff processed. Like this is my dad, and then remembering like, oh yeah, at the end of the day, this is a client that also pays me, so I have to be very diplomatic with my words, and so that that was difficult. And then it wasn't immediately grief. Grief then turned into reflection and then it would hit me that like my dad is no longer here and I've had friends who have lost their parents as well and so I reached out to them and they immediately said you know find a group not because a group is mandatory to process your feelings but rather especially for me having a life that's like my life is very busy I run my own company but every two weeks for a couple of hours I get to stop and actually think about my dad remember him remember his voice share stories and reflect on what I'm feeling so for you, it was almost like this necessity to schedule time. Yes, though it sounds so scientific of scheduling time so I can think about it. If I didn't schedule that time, I, I, I think I would have more frequent random breakdowns at random moments, and I don't know if they would be as controlled or if my reflection of those moments would be as powerful. We hear that a lot in group of people. It kind of comes out sideways, and then people look at their calendar, and they're like, oh, I haven't gone to group for a month. Yeah. Maybe I need to go yeah, back. Not absolutely. that group fixes everything. I want to be clear about that. But. Well, right, but I mean, it's, it's also listening to the others in group share their emotions and what they're going through that allows me to also reflect on what I'm going through and not feel alone. I don't talk about my emotions a lot, but hearing others talk about it and realizing that I have something very, though it's dark, it's in common, it's unique, and there's almost a fraternity and sorority of grief mm-hmm. where you can kind of rely on one another because you've gone through the trenches and you know, like, if your best friend hasn't lost somebody, you're still best friends, but they don't get that side of you. And I think that's what group brings for me. This gathering of people who wouldn't necessarily know each other outside mm-hmm. of group, and then they come together and share this really unique and unfortunate, heartbreaking connection. Sure. And the different ways that it has impacted them. Hearing the stories of others and, and what they go through, I, I think to myself, like, oh, mine could manifest in so many different ways. And if I didn't know that other people went through like this random thing or that random thing, if it happened to me, I don't know if I would be able to process that correctly and how that would then affect my grief going forward. 
you'll get caught off guard still, but you won't be as caught off guard by being caught off guard. Yeah, and you know that that whether or not that person is in front of you to immediately relate face-to-face with them and say, oh, hey, I finally realized that I went through that too. If you're not in front of them, you can still have that fake conversation in your head (laughs) of what they would say, what you would say, and it almost is therapeutic in that way. It's like you take the group with you as you're going through Very often, very often. Long car rides for sure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. In the last two years, you've had a number of life changes. Yes. Yes. So in addition to working with my dad and having that go very well, I've also bought a house, gotten married, and now I'm expecting a child. All of those I was very much looking forward to sharing with my father. Again, he was a great dad and incredibly excited about becoming a grandparent someday. I'm lucky in that he met my wife, Molly, a couple of times and really liked her and they bonded and that was good. So I'm glad that she knew of him before seeing him in the hospital with me. But it goes into, you know, buying a house. He was so handy around the house when we were kids and always fixing things himself. He was an engineer and always wanted to teach me stuff. And when I was young, I didn't really appreciate that. But now that I'm older, I started going like, oh, okay, I'm going to buy a house and my dad and I can fix it up. And then when he died, I realized that he's just the voice in my head constantly when I'm Mm -hmm. fixing stuff. And in a positive way, not not that's the wrong hammer, Mike. Right. a different hammer. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's not sad. When I'm working around the house, I get sad that I miss him, that he's not doing it with me. But I do love having his voice in my head going like, just stare at it, try and figure out the problem. Do this, do that. These are the questions that you ask. Go roam around Home Depot until you find it on your own. That's the best way to learn. But don't YouTube it, right? Right. Don't, look, don't cheat right. by Googling. Don't cheat, no. So there's that. And then, of course, with a, with a child along the way, I wanted parenting tips, which I don't want to downplay the role that my mom will now play in giving me advice. But um, missing out on having my, my dad's opinion is, is going to be difficult. Have you thought about the ways in which you'll want to talk to your child about your dad? Yeah. I have not actually been able to pick up a pen and put it down. Talking about scheduling time to get into an emotional an emotional point where you can actually write cohesively about it. I want to do that, to tell the stories about my dad and what he taught me and relate it right back to what I'm doing with my kids so that they understand that the role that and influence that their pops, their grandfather had on me that I'm now having on them. Since my dad's death, I've taken on so much of his personality that I think it'll be eventually very easily easy for my kids to see through stories of how how my dad influenced me and how now I am as a dad with them. What's been the biggest surprise to you in this whole land of grief? I would say one of the biggest surprises to me is how active I need to be in thinking about him so that I don't... It's the fear of of losing his voice in my head or the fear of remembering what he looks like. I'll go however many days without thinking of him because I'm just busy. And then it'll strike me like, oh, I need to think for a half an hour right now of what his voice sounds like, what he looked like, certain stories. My brain, the months after his death, locked on very particular stories. I'm not exactly sure why they locked on those stories, but now I'm trying to access the different parts of my brain that has other memories. Mm -hmm. I thought that that would be easier, and it's not. Unlocking that, I don't know if I put up walls to those stories or simply my brain goes in so many different pathways that I can't focus on one. That's something I thought would be easy and is not. And you're having to really structure that. Yeah. The trying to remember particular stories. Yeah, trying to trying to think of keywords or 
smells, tastes, you know, everything like that that sticks with you and then relating it back to that story or what year did that happen and how old was I? And Did you imagine that in grief you would just be so inundated with those stories? That yes. That it wouldn't be challenging to remember? Yeah, I thought, on, on, I thought daily uh, I would be inundated by, by strong emotions and everything would click and trigger me. And then I realized that doesn't, that doesn't happen with me at least. My triggers come and go and then I have to focus to actually force a trigger in my brain to remember other things. Yeah, which is a very different experience than many other people have, where yes. they might be walking around wishing they could buffer out some of those. I remember one group when I first started, we were talking about dreams, and I had just had one, and it was the second one that I had. So I was just so happy to have that second one. And then somebody, two shares after me, shared that they have incredibly vivid dreams almost every single night, and it's horrific for them because they wake up and are so inundated with the fact that they they visualized, they thought that, that their lost one was still alive and then it would, would create this ultimate sadness. And it was so interesting to hear a polar opposite experience in dreams from me. And so, yeah, I, I, I do think that that's, that I might be different, but I'm sure there are other people out there that experience the same stuff. Yeah, or people who never have dreams or yeah, absolutely. things. And it's interesting how it can create this moment of envy, right? Mm -hmm. you hear someone, and then you hear their experience, you're like, well, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe I'm yeah. okay with what's envy, happening. Envy, I've, I've heard from others in the group as well as just in my personal life, they feel guilt that they don't dream as much and, and try and force it. And, and we'll spend an hour before bed just like Trying to manifest it. Yeah, absolutely, and then go to sleep, and then they don't have one. They feel very bad about themselves the next day. Uh, everything about that is tough. I will say the lesson I take away from uh, the group you're in in particular is how good people who are grieving are at giving themselves a really hard time yeah. for how they're grieving. Yeah. And I'm always thinking to myself, like, the grief is hard enough. Yeah. And then we add on the, like, I'm not doing it right. Yeah, so as yeah a, doing it right is that's such a weird concept. And it's like, that's impossible. Is that new for you to think that way, that it's impossible to grieve the right way? No, I've always been told that by like everybody ever since he died. But I will say that though there's not a right way, there's certainly been stories shared of, you wouldn't call it the wrong way, but you, you could classify it as like lessons learned of when people get caught and then don't know how to get out of it and therefore don't do anything and then they snap out of it and then you, and then they'll usually name a tool or at least I call them tools and it's like oh okay right don't go down that path mm -hmm. although who to, who's to say that for you know for that yeah, person yeah, it just, might have been so exactly. necessary but interesting to think about like there's no right way to do it but for you we're like well there's got to be some way to do it so I'm yeah. going to come to group and try to find out some ways to try yeah I know we're getting close to the end of our time, but I'm just curious of, you know, now that your two years anniversary just happened last month, what's the question you would say you're most wrestling with? I think what's most on my mind right now comes back to, to having the impending fatherhood. And it's, I'm very curious how my grief will play a role in being a new father. Do I get too busy and so I, I don't focus on my grief as much or... Will it trigger that I really miss my father and want that fatherly advice? I wouldn't say that I wrestle with the question, but it certainly is at the forefront of my thoughts because every single day is one day closer to having that become a reality and trying to figure out what that means for me. Like an equally life-altering experience. Yes. And it, everybody says impacts your life and changes your life forever. And then it's like, well, how does it change my grief? And I, I think that some people who haven't gone through a death 
they don't have to consider that or they might not be impacted by that. But I'll be curious to share with others what I, what I experience and get their feedback on what they've experienced. Well, maybe six months, 10 months from now yeah. when you're sleeping through the night yeah, again, absolutely. maybe that takes two years. I don't know. Um, we'll have you back on the show and you can update us. On yeah, that would be like. fantastic. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for being here, Mike. I really appreciate talking with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And thanks everyone out there for listening in today. If you'd like to hear any of our other episodes, you can find us in a couple places. You can go to our website, which is dougy.org. You can find us also in iTunes, which if you do that, we'd love if you gave us a rating or wrote a review because it really helps other people out there who may not know about our podcast to find us. And if you just want to learn more about the Dougie Center, you can um, also find us on Facebook and Twitter. And we love hearing suggestions from you for future topics. So if you have one, send it our way at help at Dougie.org. And we hope you'll join us again next time. Thanks for listening.